All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello. 
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, what have you. They have got you covered for all of your trading card needs, whatever those needs may be. Also, be sure to check out their retail location in Surrey, but if you can't make it out there, check them out, as I said, online, ZephyrEpic.com. Free shipping, Canada-wide, on any order over $50. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Allard, and folks, we're here to talk about a couple sports today. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Canucks. We'll start there, but Chris... I told you, I really, really, really want to talk about the World Baseball Classic. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's start with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Tuesday night, Hold on, the man. loss to Hold the on, Vegas man. Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah, right. You're not getting through the intro that quick. Uh, 30 seconds of dog. How's the dog? You weren't here yesterday. We did a no 30 Fine. seconds of dog segment. A lot of people really enjoyed the no 30 seconds of dog segment. That's what the chat said. You're forcing me to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. There's, there's nothing. Nothing changed. He's doing well. He's doing great. Let's go. Here's the thing. If I build a graphic, that segment is going to be running, baby. All right. No, hold on a second, Alex. Put the tank away for a second. I had this thought, and I wanted to get your opinion on it and the people in the chat as well. By the way, shout out Sam Wilson. Beautiful weather in Nanaimo, uh, says there in the, in the chat. Good people in Nanaimo. Good weather in Nanaimo. That's good stuff. Um, here's my question, quads. When you were growing up as a child, as an adolescent, um, uh, a youth, was your family the type of family that drank milk like at dinner? Like, was that a, a very typical thing? Because I was thinking about this today. I had milk with my lunch today. I had some rice and leftover chicken that I had. Sliced it up, a little teriyaki sauce. It was excellent. Topped it off, a little tzatziki sauce. There was a lot of flavors going on there. But I had a glass of milk with it, and I don't typically have like a glass of milk anymore but as a child we had milk every dinner like you had to have a good cup of milk every dinner no matter what it was you had milk with dinner was was your family similar to that uh i was the only one and i still am the only one that really? drinks milk uh with dinner like i i could i could just drink a nice glass of milk um no one else in my family does like no, no one really you know i i like it like if i if i have anything even somewhat spicy it's perfect it's delicious i love i love a good glass of milk it's yeah i love milk okay clip that um but uh yeah i think uh i had a glass today i haven't had one in so long but when i uh when i was real sick uh, the first couple days of covid there i i uh, you know okay like well, what's our policy on this show honesty so i'm gonna be honest i ate two full cakes in two days uh in the first two days of covid glad like we had to DoorDash the order so i door dashed uh Shout out DoorDash or whoever, whatever DoorDash, our friends, our old friends there. Uh, but I got uh, I got the order sent over here, and it was uh, like cake, cake icing, uh, or frosting, I think they call it, as well as a, a big four liter of milk. And I put them down. I put down two cakes in like two days at the start of COVID, and uh, my fiance was getting pretty worried about me at that point, and that was pretty early into things. I wonder why it took you so long to recover. That's so strange. Hey, I was eating vegetables and fruits and all that stuff, too. I got all that in the order there. We did a big Walmart order because we couldn't leave the house, obviously. Uh, but, uh, hey, the, the cakes got me through the first couple days. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, okay. That's great. Let's uh, let's move right past that. Let's all right, go Alex, to, hit uh, it. Do you want to talk about the loss now or do you got more? You 
probably caught it in Walmart getting the fruit. No, no, no. And then suffered eating all that cake. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's not what happened. I ordered everything I ordered from the from the app. All the stuff came in here. I was, I tell you what, I went out on the Friday night before I got COVID. because I showed up on Sunday. I went out on the Friday night. I thought I was just hung over for like five days. That's what I thought it was at first until, uh, until he tested positive. So I had a good night on uh, the Friday night before we went out there. But we ordered everything. They, they brought everything. They'll bring you whatever you need now. The Walmart app. You can get whatever you want from Walmart now. They even got stuff on clearance for you too. I tell you, these apps here then nowadays they're uh, they're good. But I had to go easy on those things through COVID. I am uh, behind on the credit card payments right now for sure. I need some of that uh, big big money uh, big money from the the folks in Nation Network like you're getting over there, quads. Can we move on? Are you ready to talk about the game yet? Fire it like, up, Alex. I, I where is it? Outline, so Where's the video, Alex? Nonsense. The outline's all set. You got to read this thing word for word from the end here, Alex. Fire it up. Here we go. A regulation loss yesterday. That's what I'm talking about. The tank's back on track. People in the chat, we know you love the freaking tank. Let's go. Tank's back rolling up. Uh, Canucks uh, still making a push for Connor Bedard. Late push here. 12 games to go. Uh, a loss last night at the hands of the... Did, did I hear this right? I didn't check this. But the Western Conference leading Vegas Golden Knights? Or was it Pacific Division? I'm going to have to look this up. Now I feel like an idiot. i got to do these things before the show. Uh, I think it's Pacific. Yeah, yeah, you kind of threw both of us on the spot here. I believe it's just Pacific. I don't think they're top of the Western Conference. Well, let's see right here. No, they are. 94 points, top of the Western Conference. They are. Wow. They're having Two a good... I tell you what, of the, LA Kings. The, the Knights last night, they didn't look very good, but they just looked like, uh, you know, they looked like a good team in the end. Like, they do a lot of little things, right? They just looked like they didn't play a good game, but still were able to get two points out of it. That's kind of the, the definition of a good team in the NHL, right? Like, they didn't play their best game for sure. Uh, the Canucks weren't that great in their own right as well, but there were some players that I think were on yesterday. Um, let's pull up the stats right here, the Canucks stats versus Vegas, uh, and just start this way. we got some ice time things to talk about, a couple other stats I want to dive into from yesterday's game. Quads, from the top, you see the stat circled in green. No, you don't. You're looking at Bird over there on the on the photo there. Uh, Quinn Hughes, 29 minutes and 34 seconds of ice time. Played the final, what, two and a half minutes of the, of the game there with the net pulled. Um, a lot of minutes for Quinn half. Hughes. A lot of minutes again, but uh, Rick Tocca talked about it. Like he, you know, that's the type of game that he likes from Quinn. He's playing a lot, get him in a groove, get him playing, get him confident. Uh, and I think we saw a lot of that in uh, in last night's game. I'm, I still don't know, man. Twenty nine minutes is a lot of ice time, and that's in regulation. Like you, you literally just played Quinn Hughes for half of a hockey game, like half of the hockey game. Quinn Hughes was in on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks. That's that's asking a ton of a player. Right, like this, is, we're you getting into the camp of like how much uh, how much these NBA players are playing? They play like ninety uh, percent of the game. You're getting that with Quinn Hughes nearly. I don't like it. Like we we've talked about it, Chris. We, how many times have we talked about the ice time and Cody Sievertson in his stanchies that he wrote last night? Fantastic little blurb on this. It just doesn't make sense. Like, eh. and I don't want to just get rid of any counter argument to this, but the main counter argument is. Well, of course they're going to try to win. Yeah, that's great. But if you really want to do well next year, all we're saying is there's one, you're just going to ruin your draft lottery position this year by going for these wins late in the season and you know taking every shortcut known to man to get there. And those shortcuts are in the form of playing Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson a ton. You're taking every shortcut to get there. What are you really going to accomplish? At worst you're going to get Quinn Hughes injured and he's going to have a late start to his off season or worst case scenario, 
he starts late into next season. That's the absolute worst case scenario, right? But what is your best case scenario? That's what everybody's asking. And that's the point that we're trying to make is just what is the best case scenario? The best case scenario is that you put together a ton of wins down the stretch, ruin your draft lottery position in the name of, look, we're going to be confident and ready for next year. Everybody knows what Quinn Hughes can do. Everybody on that team knows what Quinn Hughes can do. Going into next year, you're not really learning anything from Quinn Hughes or from anybody for that matter by playing Quinn Hughes for 30 minutes game. Like, what does this team have to lose by playing Christian Willanen more, right? Like, like what do they have to lose by playing Guillaume Brisebois more? What do they have to lose? I, I don't think it's much, Chris. I really don't. No, and you know what? Like, I, I don't love it, but, like, at least, at least you're getting good hockey from him in those minutes. Like, I think that's something that you can take as a positive takeaway. It's like, hey, he's being tasked with a huge amount of work to do for this Vancouver Canucks team, specifically on the defense core, and he's looking great. Like, he is he's playing excellent hockey, man, through and through. You're not seeing, like, the, the, the ice time kind of raise his mistakes per 60 or whatever we want to measure it by. Like, he's not making more mistakes with all this ice time. I'm with you, though. Like, I feel like the... The worries outweigh the the excitement at this point with how many minutes Quinn Hughes is playing, and that's just where I'm at with it, right? Listen, we're not coaches. We're just bystanders watching the game uh, every single night and dealing with this organization. But, I mean, like, 29 minutes, it's consistently there. It's around that time a lot. We've seen him over 30 at certain times this season. It's a lot to ask of Quinn Hughes, and I just think it, at this point in the season, the way the season's gone, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you need to rely on it that much, but – you look at the next left shot defenseman, right? Like, um, you got to go down the list pretty far. Like, Christian Willanden ends up coming in at 1433. Breezeball at 1545. They rotated three different defense pairings with Quinn Hughes at the end of the game there. Like, they just rolled three other guys going out there with. I think Willanden got the start. Myers was out there. Uh, Burroughs earlier before the uh, net was pulled. Like, they're just keeping him on the ice and rolling guys around him. It's It's kind of a wild thing to watch, and it's... This is where you don't want the wins to come from, right? You don't want the wins to come from a 30-minute-a-night Quinn Hughes because I'm sorry, that's not sustainable for any NHL player. Like, you can't be playing 29 minutes a night for an 82-game season and expect to be healthy and at your best for all 82 games. That's just not possible, man. I can't see that happening. Um, Yeah, the ice time thing off the top there. Um, Let's get to the other ice time thing I wanted to dive into with Andre Kuzmenko. Um, Can we get the Kuzmenko JPAT tweet up here, uh, Alex? Let's see this thing real quick here. Uh, so Jeff Patterson, uh, rink wide, he tweeted this out last night. Uh, Kuzmenko's last shift came with 12 minutes remaining in the game. As we saw in the stats earlier there, uh, Kuzmenko played just 11 and a half minutes last night. What do you think about Kuzmenko not seeing any ice time late in the game, especially when you had, you know, Phil DiGiuseppe on the ice for the empty net. Like when, when they pulled the goalie, Phil DiGiuseppe was kind of the sixth player out there with that group. I found that really interesting. And to see Kuzmenko not get a shift in the final 12 minutes. Yeah, it's it's wild because I think when you're down by one, especially with like like I get that if he made some defensive errors or whatever it was that Rick Tockett ended up sitting him for the final twelve minutes, whatever it may be, I get it. But at the same time, it's like Kuzmenko's one of the best six players you want to have on the ice to try and score a goal. And if this team is legitimately trying to win games, like I think we all think they are, uh, the players will tell you that every single time. But you got to get Kuzmenko out there at some point, man, especially in a one goal game when you're trailing by one, like give him the ice time. He's, he's one of your best goal scorers on his team. He's, you know, a 30 goal scorer this year. It's, it was a little shocking to not see him out there for the last 12 minutes. I was wondering if it was like something was bugging him or something. Cause I think in that type of game, you got to give him some minutes late in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, Chris, like, let's be honest here. This team, they, they've talked about the, 
um, the extended training camp, right? And talk has talked a lot about setting the standard and the culture and all that sort of stuff. And one thing he's talked about is if you make mistakes, you're not just going to get a free pass no matter who you are. And there were a few last night where I was watching the game. And now I think I just watch it a lot closer because I want to know when these guys are making mistakes. There were a few times when Kuzmenko just didn't get in on the forecheck. Like he he clearly slowed down and he was supposed to be F1 and he didn't go in. Like he just, he didn't go in or he glided in and maybe he's tired at the end of a shift. I get it, but I know that that's a, one of those non-negotiables that Rick Tockett has spoken about. So to me, it didn't really surprise me because I saw it and I said, okay, I wonder if Tockett saw that. And clearly he did. And, you know, I I have to think that that's what led to the benching. Now, is that the right decision? I don't know. Like, I can't come out here and say this team shouldn't be worried about wins and losses, but they should be trying to, you know, set the standard. They should be getting ready for next season, this extended training camp. We both like the idea of that. So where does it start and where does it end? Right? Because I think it should it shouldn't include playing Quinn Hughes for 30 minutes. I disagree with that. But I also think if you're trying to set some sort of standard where guys have to do certain things and you have these non-negotiables as you like to call them right you have to you have to stay true to them like you can't just um you can't just apply it to some guys and not to others so um it didn't really surprise me to be honest with you it didn't surprise me to see Kuzmenko get the bench because I uh I noticed him he had that mistake and I, I just saw it and I said something's gonna happen there like that that's not gonna go unnoticed so so the ice time becomes a gray area then because it's not really black and white with how if you want to stick to the structure and do everything right, the structure probably shouldn't include 29 minutes of Quinn Hughes, right? The structure also should include, like you mentioned, being in on the forecheck, being in your spot. So it's a little bit of a gray area because like one thing I think abides by the structure and how you want to get things going for next season and this whole training camp uh, extended thing here into this year. But then the other thing about Quinn Hughes having all the ice time that he gets, that's completely opposite of that. Like you, you can't, I don't think that can be part of the structure moving forward to play him 29 minutes a night. So I think it's a gray area here where, yes, one thing was a negative and one thing was a positive, but you kind of have to be in the same ballpark with that, and it didn't feel like it was that way. I love the people in the chat right now, by the way. Uh, the anti-tank missile, uh, Andre Kuzmenko, should have been out. Like, if you wanted to win, he probably would have you know, at least given you the best opportunity for that. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of a, a sly tank move there uh, to not put out Andre Kuzmenko late in the game. Um, aside from the ice time, JT Miller found the back of the net twice. Once, um, was it? It was a shorthanded penalty shot, right? That's the deal there? That's what happened? Okay. Not good for the podcast listeners when you nod. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, but Yes. Sorry. So he picks up two goals in the game. Uh, obviously, one on the penalty shot. Scored another goal early as well. Uh, a couple, you know, good night for him. And you've seen a lot of this on social, right? JT Miller getting a lot of praise. And I think there's even people arguing about him and Bo Horvat, who you'd like on the next contract, all that stuff. Here's what I'll say about JT Miller, my thoughts on it. I do think that he deserves a lot of the praise that he's getting online right now because he's playing pretty damn well and limiting his mistakes quite a bit, right? Like he's, he's got 15 points over his last nine games. Uh, we do have a couple things about his ice time here. You can kind of see it rising. If you're following us on the YouTube here, you can see a shorthanded ice time rising over the last little bit, specifically since he missed that game and, and kind of since Rick Tockett came into the lineup. Also getting a long run here uh, with Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe. And, and that line's looked, I think, pretty good. I think you're getting a lot of some of the best hockey we've seen from the season on those three players, right? Like PDG, I think, is playing the best hockey all year long. Uh, something similar with Mikheyev. Uh, I mean, not Mikheyev, sorry, uh, with Brock Besser. 
Uh, like these players are starting to play some of the best hockey this season. And JT Miller is starting to roll, man. Like I said, 15 points over his last nine games. I think he deserves a lot of the praise that he's getting right now. The other thing is, and you'll read this if you read the stats, he's, he was in a matchup role last night and he had that those results. So you're very impressed by that. You're very impressed by him being in a matchup role and finding these results because, hey, like, let's be honest here. Full credit to JT Miller. If this was Elias Pettersson that did it, right? If he was playing in a matchup role and he had a game like JT Miller had last night, three points for, you know, all three Canucks goals. If Elias Pettersson did that, we'd be talking about it. It'd be the whole topic of the show today. Uh, I got to go let out Bert. So I'll be right back again, but keep that conversation going. Okay. Uh, I do have somebody in the chat here. Karan wants to ask about the uh, the graphic here. So the first, uh, first thing on the graphic, by the way, this is all from Hockey Viz, the good folks over there. Micah does a great job. Uh, follow him uh, at ineffective math on Twitter. Uh, the top one here is the line mates that he's played with ice time with each player. So you can kind of see the last little bit here. Lots of time with Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe. The middle one there is ice time. It's a combination of uh, shorthanded ice time, which is in orange blue is the even strength and red is the power play time. So you kind of get that there as well as the points in the bottom. there, just kind of showing everything for everybody on the YouTube following along. Uh, and aside from that, I think with JT Miller, it's not necessarily like his game's completely changed, but I think he's just getting back to that point where he was doing a lot of things right, like he was last season, right? Like he he is going, if he continues to play like this, and I think this is a big ask because he's playing very good hockey of late, and if he continues to play like this, it is going to be very beneficial for the Canucks to have him for the next few seasons, right? Like the long-term effects of this contract are definitely going to be something, but from what we've seen over the last little bit, if this is the JT Miller who's going to be playing 2C for your team, you are feeling pretty damn good about that situation. I just don't know if this is a sustainable thing. I think under Rick Tockett, like Tockett feels like a coach that's going to be able to not necessarily handle JT Miller, but at least be able to get the team, get him to the point where you're getting the best out of him. So at least that's what we're kind of hoping for at this point. I do want to bring up two other names too, because I did think that, Yeah, JT Miller was great last night, obviously picked up the two goals, was very effective, uh, continues to just, like, create offense from the the shorthanded unit, which has been very shocking to see. I think he's leading the league right now uh, in shorthanded goals. But Vasily Podkolzin uh, is a name I want to mention as well. I thought he had a really good game um, last night. You're starting to see kind of the chemistry, and we've mentioned this in the past, the the chemistry between Podkolzin and Kravtsov, uh, it's there. It, It was almost immediately there. They've obviously played together. Uh, back in the World Juniors, and and to get right back into the lineup together uh, at the NHL level, I think they've showed it pretty well. Pod Colson seems to be a player who's really just driving a lot of that line, right? Like Pod Colson making the little passes, being strong on the forecheck, doing a lot of things right. I, I get excited about, right? Obviously, and the the points still haven't come. They weren't even really coming in the AHL as much as you kind of would hope for with him going down there for that stint. But Pod Colson's looking, I just think, really good as kind of. A guy who drives, not necessarily the play, but drives the energy on a line. And he's really doing that in the situation that he's in right now with Sheldon Drys and Vitaly Kraftsov. So we'll have to see if the lines get a little bit swapped around to give Pod Colson a better opportunity. Maybe start the game uh, with a JT Miller or Elias Pettersson. But for now, he is absolutely driving that line of him, Sheldon Drys and Kraftsov. Okay, now I was impressed with both Kraftsov and... And Pod Colson. And, uh, you know, someone in the chat as well brought it up earlier. The double shift with Elias Pettersson. Like, Elias Pettersson got a shift with these guys. I don't like that the ice time's low for both of them. But I'm not going to sit here and complain. Because I think, just from what I saw, I noticed those guys a lot in the third period. Now, I hope 
that that results in some more ice time. But you just mentioned it, the play driving by Pod Colson. Like I said, I also thought Kravtsov was really good, Chris. And, you know, I, we brought it up on, two, like I brought it up two shows ago about a line I'd like to see. Give that trio with Elias Pettersson in the middle, give them a run. Like, give them a run. I, I really liked Kravtsov and Pod Colson last night. And it, it's interesting because I can't remember where I saw it. Not sure what it was a reply to. But someone was projecting what they think the Canucks forward group will look like. Actually, I know exactly where it was. It was on Twitter. Someone replied to the article that Stefan Roger wrote for Canucks Army about what does retooling the Canucks forward group actually look like. And they basically had a third line of Pud Colson, Barbashev, and Kravtsov. Okay? And they basically said the Canucks need this to hit. They need to offload Garland. They need to offload Besser, um, hopefully for value. And then they'll have Mikheyev back. He'll play with JT Miller. You've got Kuzmenko playing with Elias Pettersson, obviously Anthony Beauvillier as well. Now, what I found most interesting about this, Chris, was the idea that Kravtsov and Podkolzin both hit as third-line wingers, right? And, like, how many times have we talked about, okay, you look at this team, you look at their commitments for next season, is there a place for Vitaly Kravtsov on this team? Because he hasn't done anything right now, I, I don't think. He hasn't done it yet where if you're trying to make the playoffs right from the get-go that you say, yeah, this guy could play on our third line. Of course. I I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case just yet. I think he needs to have a little bit more development. And if he's not going to go to the AHL, if that's, if that much is clear, um, we don't know for sure if it is, we're just assuming to some extent, but if you want Pod Coles and Kravtsov in the NHL being consistent NHL contributors for you, they need to play like they need to play at the NHL level. And what better time than in these quote-unquote meaningless games, right? Like, what better time to do that? You're not going to want to do that. You're going to do it in training camp, sure. But if this is supposed to be an extended training camp, I don't know why you're not doing it right now because those guys are showing really well. Like I said, you got more, they got more in the third period, more noticeable. Maybe that translates to more ice time moving forward here. But I really like both of their games. Yeah, and I see the the chat going back and forth, Karan and uh, Jesse chatting about uh, Kravtsov. And, and like, yeah, Kravtsov, I think, came in, had a nice little hot start. Uh, but I don't think he's played that great of lately either. I'm kind of in, in agreement with, uh, geez, they're, they're back and forth here, Jesse and Karan so fast in the chat. One of them said it. Uh, but I think, like, Kravtsov has, has looked fine. But it's like, if you can get him to the next level, then you're talking about him being an effective third-line winger because there's going to be a lot of battle for that spot. You want to be a top-nine winger on this Vancouver Canucks team, uh, specifically if they end up bringing in a center next year uh, to play on the third like third line there. There's going to be a lot of competition, man. Kraftsov's going to be battling against, you know, Niels Huglander and Connor Garland and even Dakota Joshua. Like Rick Tockett seems to like him when he's had his game. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with Kraftsov. But I haven't been like I really want him to succeed. I really want him to succeed. He's a high pedigree player, high draft pick, um, has a good relationship with Vasily Pod Coles, and they could seriously be a winging winger combination that's together for a long time. I just haven't seen enough of Kratzoff to get really excited yet. I'll, I think that's the best way to put it. That's fair, but you just said it, Chris. Like, you saw it in the first few games, right? And you said, well, he's got to do more. He needs a better center, blah, blah, blah. Do it then. Like, get him back to that. Get him back to playing with that confidence that we saw in the first couple games, right? Like, give him the opportunities. Give it to him. Like, it doesn't need to be, and it's same with Pod Colson, exact same thing with Pod Colson. He's a guy that's really hard on himself, obviously. Give him a chance to make his mistakes, 
give him a chance to log big minutes, basically regardless of results. And I know the answer to that is going to be, well, they're trying to set a standard and all that. I get that. But you also need to have somewhat of an eye on the future as well, right? And those guys aren't going to slack. They're not going to they're not going to have a low work ethic, right? And that seems to be Talkett's biggest gripe with anybody is if you're not trying hard. And those two guys have great attitudes and great motors. Uh, the attitude thing comes from Talkett himself. It's not just me guessing. Like Talkett said, Kratsov has a really good attitude. We've already heard enough about Pod Colson to know that that's the case with him as well. Like give these guys a chance. Give them a chance to make mistakes regardless of results. Give them a run regardless of results and see how it goes. Like, at least find out what you have in this guy when I'm talking about Kratsov here. At least find out what you have in him before you go into next season with a giant question mark and say maybe he can be our third line winger. Maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see, and Karan has a, a basically exactly what I was about to say there, a good comment. It, like, you're not rolling into next season with Phil DiGiuseppe in your top six. I could almost guarantee that, that he's not going to be a left wing in your top six going into next season. But I can't guarantee that Pod Colson won't be there, right? Like, that's why I think you need to give him the opportunity to play with JT Miller or whoever it may be. Or even, like, you know, like, there's a better chance in my eyes of, like, Aiden McDonough playing in the top six to start next year than Phil DiGiuseppe. Like, I think he's been an effective NHLer, and I think he'll be a guy that uh, that Rick Taco will like to use maybe in a fourth-line role going into next season, maybe even a third-line role. But, yeah, the the eye to the future, eye on the future thing, like Commander Vander just said, um, you have an opportunity here with these 12 games to do that, not necessarily just with with the forward group, but we also touched on it with Quinn Hughes, right? Like, you know, let, let Christian Willanen roll a little bit. Guy doesn't have a contract for next year. You want to see what you got here. Here's the thing, Chris. When it comes to PDG, right? Like, I'd say, you know, friend of the show, I think I'm the founding member of the PDG fan club, right? I love the opportunity he's getting. But you know what you have in him, right? Like, if you're the Canucks... You know what you have in him. If you're Rick Tockett, you know what you have in him, and you really like it. You really like it. And I get to some extent that you want to reward a guy, but you also have PDG for next year where you know that if you need him to, he can play in a top six role. If you put him with Sheldon Dries for the rest of the season or third line, bottom six, whatever, if you put him there for the rest of the season, he's not going to go into the offseason and say, well, I wasn't rewarded for my good play. I did everything the coach asked of me and I was put in a bottom six role. This is ridiculous. I've forgotten how to play a top six role. And then next year when you ask him to do the same thing, he's not going to forget. Like that's not going to happen. You know what you have in him. You know what you have in him and you don't know what you have in Pod Colson and Kratzov. You really don't. You really don't know if you're the Canucks. And that's the thing with with Giuseppe. Like think about how long it took him to get a shot with the Vancouver Canucks. Like he rolled in outs for the full season uh, and then, you know, didn't really get an opportunity until this year, right? Like it's it's nice to see PDG in the lineup and getting this opportunity, but I think uh, you know where he's going to top out at. You don't know where Pod Colson's going to top out at. Um, somebody asked, but why does Kuzmenko only do wraparounds? Jesse asked this in the chat. Um, he scored a lot of wraparounds in the KHL. I, I think it's going to take more than a year for him to kind of try and shake that, but he, I don't think he scored a wraparound this year in the NHL. He scored a lot in the KHL last year, though. Wraparounds are ve- are more and more increasingly rare with RVHs, um, and we're seeing a lot of this with the post-integration play of the modern NHL. You're seeing a lot less... Um, you're seeing a lot less wraparounds but if there's anybody doing against i guess it's jonathan quick even though he's technically the guy who kind of started the rvh he's a little sloppy sometimes right, with his post play uh, but uh, not to knock jonathan quick 
No, but I'll knock your VH or whatever it is there, the uh, children's lottery thing you're talking about. Uh Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, Philip Ronick sounds like he's gonna get into the lineup on Thursday. Got this tweet from Brendan Batchelor. I'm just reading right now. Uh Batch tweeted out that Rick Toggett says there's a good chance. Philip Ronick will make his Canucks debut tomorrow. So tomorrow, the Canucks are facing off against the San Jose Sharks. Nice little team for you to make your debut at, especially if you're a defenseman. Just kind of, kind of stay away from Eric Carlson, I guess. Um, hopping into the lineup here, where who does he play with? Like at, at this point, like we we had all these, we've had a lot of talk about, you know, what's the second pairing look like next season with Philip Ronick here? Who's he play with this year? Like he he skated on the left side in practice yesterday. Would they go with four right shot defensemen? Is Breezeball the guy that comes out? Right? Like, think about it. Would they put him with Tyler Myers? Could that be a thing? Quads? What do you think? Who's he going to play with tomorrow? I mean, the the easy answer is what? Christian Wolanin? Is that the easy answer? Because I'm not even sure if there's an easy answer here. Who is he going to play with tomorrow? Isn't Quinn Hughes the easy answer? Is don't he, you though? want your new acquisition to look ripped? Well, don't you want your new acquisition to look really good down the stretch? Uh, right? Yeah, like, but are you going to... Don't you want him to look... Are you going to bring in Philip Ronick and be like, yeah, bud, here, go play 29 minutes. Welcome back. Here you go. Here's 29 minutes ice time with Quinn Hughes. Like, that's a lot to ask, too. I think uh, I don't think you start him with Quinn Hughes. I think you'll see some ice time with Hughes, even in tomorrow's game. Hang on a sec, because I was just about to say to you, there's not two defensemen on the Canucks that have been logging ice time like Quinn Hughes. It's been a run of different guys playing with Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is always on the ice. He's on the ice for half the game. Yeah. Nobody else, his partner, whether it's Ronick, whether it's Bear, whoever it is, that guy's not logging 30 minutes as well. Ronick logging 23 minutes playing with Hughes? Yeah, I can absolutely see that, Chris. And I got to be honest with you, I think that's the move. Like, I think that's the move for the Canucks. They want to make their acquisition look really good. A lot of fans haven't really seen a Ronick play or really keyed in on him when they were playing against Detroit because why would you ever think the Canucks would go out and acquire this guy but now they have so now Canucks fans are itching to get a look at him you definitely don't want him having bad highlights right like 
I guess those are called low lights, but you don't want to see a lot of gifts going around if you're the Canucks of him having defensive gaffes or whatever. And people saying, we gave up a first and a second for this guy, not feeling great hitting in next season. No, you want him playing really well. You want him putting up good numbers alongside Quinn Hughes. You want him quarterbacking your second power play unit to uh, results. You want to see him finding success in that role. If you're the Canucks, you really want to make this acquisition look good. So I'd say playing with Quinn Hughes. I think that's what they're going to do. Um, I think long-term, I think going into next season, you want to have them split up and be able to load up that first pair if you need to. But I think tomorrow you go right with Hughes. Like it's your two top defensemen playing together. I think that's what you go with. Do you think that's what they do or that's what you want to see? I think that's what they do. I think that's what what they do. And I think that's what I want to see. I don't think they do it. And that's all I can. I disagree with both your things. I don't think they're going to do it. And I don't think that's what I want to see. I, I would like to see a couple shifts here and there for sure, but with Ronit coming back from an injury and getting adjusted to this new team, it's it, to me it's a big ask to put him on the top pairing and make him match up against top lines immediately, uh, especially with a new team that he doesn't really know how it fits in. I, I expect him, and I think he will, I, I, I think it's going to be Christian Wolanin and him. On a, like a second pairing, uh, Wolanin's a guy that I think they like at least, not necessarily the upside for a top four, but... The upside of, like, in a pinch, top four minutes for Willannon. And this is a good opportunity to see that. Uh, and a good opportunity for him to see, to, to play with a, a very good defenseman. And what we hope to see here from Phil Veronik, right? Like, that's that's what the expectation is. I, I think that's what we're going to see tomorrow. And that's what I would like to see tomorrow. Is for it to be Christian Willannon and Philip Veronik tomorrow in their game. So that's what I think we're going to roll with tomorrow. Jesse Town says Ronick Bear. I don't mind that pairing. Uh, okay, let, let's close out this conversation. We're going to save the World Baseball Classic stuff for tomorrow because I have a lot on it and I'm writing something on it. Hopefully, no, I got, drop no, that no, today. no, 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 no. We'll save the. Let's get the poll question up. We don't have time. Quick poll question. Yeah, we'll get the poll question. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I don't know if we'll have time for the World Baseball Classic stuff. I, I had about a 20 minute speech prepared for this. Okay, poll question. Get it up, Alex. Let's go. Poll question brought to you by the great folks over at Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight oh. from your microwave or air fryer. The perfect zero carb snack. Oh, yeah. Uh, locally owned Crispy. and operated in Surrey as well. Uh, free shipping on all orders over $50. Okay, our poll question today, which was inspired by Jack Studnika lining up as right at, a, at right D on the third pair uh, ahead of last night's game. That was what inspired this. Uh, which player would you like to see try a new position? Tyler Myers at right wing, Vasily Podkolzin at center, or Jack Studnika at right D? And as always, I'm angry. 395 votes so far. Let's see what Alex goes with here. Let's see if he finds the people, finds the majority. Let's see what he votes for. Because, Chris, I texted you. Oh, yeah, Alex. I know my answer already. Uh, And Alex going with Tyler Myers at right wing. 31% of voters saying that. 46% say Vasily Podkolzin at center. 3% say Jack Stadnika at right D. 21% say they are angry. i got to be honest with you, Chris. Vasily Podkolzin at center was your idea to uh, add in. Of course he's going to get majority. I I got to be honest here. Tyler Myers at right wing, I didn't agree with. I think Tyler Myers is this team's defensively minded center that they really need. Okay? You need to have him net front. Jesse Town already pointed that out in the chat. You need to have him at net front. You need to have him going in the four check. But also, Chris, 
I want Tyler Myers helping with the breakout. I want him as the low forward when you're in the defensive zone. I want Tyler Myers being that defensively minded center. Now, I also like the idea of him helping to wheel out the puck because let's be honest, he's a good skater. He's a really good skater now, especially for his size. Really good skater. Maybe not the quickest first step, like the acceleration is probably the biggest knock against Myers' game. But once he's going, he's going. He's going, Chris. So I like him at center. I I, I would rather see Tyler Myers at center, teach him how to take face-offs, uh, put him at center. I don't like him at right wing. I like him at center. Okay, Alex, why did you vote for Tyler Myers at right wing? Because uh, I, I feel like it's just chaos. That's what Alex loves over there. Alex, why would you do that? No, it's what Jesse's saying there the situation is not mentioned in this uh, poll. So there's a bit of a flaw here. I I'm okay. thinking Tyler Myers at right wing on the power play. I grew up in the Zdeno Chara days in Ottawa. He was in front of the net on the power play in Ottawa was tried many times. So uh, I don't like any of the other options there. So I kind of uh, galaxy brained it a bit and thought, well, I'd put Tyler Myers on the power play. At right. He could line up at right wing. He's not going to take the face off. Uh, the you know face-offs on the left side of the ice. He's already in front of the net. He barely has to go anywhere. That, that's the mindset there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, here's the thing. You guys both, quads, you and Alex, both Galaxy Brain this. Because all the, all the question is, is which player would you love to see try a new position? I would love to see Tyler Myers play in the wing. He'd, he, he would get my vote. Like, who would I legitimately want to see try and make the transition to the position that we mentioned here? It's Pot Colson. It's easy. But, like, which one would I love to see, like, in the final 12 games of this season or something? Hell yeah, I'd like to see Tyler Myers play forward. That'd be that'd be awesome. That would be, you know, I don't know how many stories you'd have up. How many you'd have a shift by shift? Each each shift would get an article at Canucks Army from you quads watching Tyler Myers play forward. I would love to see that. That would take my vote here if we were just like yeah. trying to you know have fun and, and just love it. Like it would be that would be who I'd be going with. But if you're legitimately talking about a future man, if Vasily Pod Colson could convert to that three C. The way he's playing right now and driving play, holy hell. Sign me the F up, dude. I am down for that if it happens. And I, it is something I'm going to poke around at uh, as the season kind of concludes here, just with some people in the development team and uh, some folks on the Canucks I can talk to. I'm going to see if there is thought process there because, man, it would be huge. And he, he plays such a a way that makes sense for him to be a center. Like, it really does. And the way that he's playing right now and playing so well, if he was doing all that at uh, at center, you could look at a line of, like, Krapsoff, Huglander, Pod Colson. Like, dude, come on. Sign me the F up again, like I just said. In which league like would that line play in? Hey, watch it. They're <laughs> not going, uh, Krapsoff's not going to the AHL. He's not going there. Pod Colson took some okay, faceoffs so in the A. I was about to ask you this. So, Kratsov has played center before. Like, he, he has actually played center, has he not? No, he hasn't played center. Yes, he has. You, you, you keep talking. I'm finding this. He for sure has. No, he didn't play center in the KHL. He didn't play center in the NHL. He didn't play in the AHL. So, like, uh, well, I think he played in the AHL. He's not, not a fan of it. No, he didn't play any center anywhere. I don't know why you're looking this up. I looked it up this morning. He didn't he took like 12 faceoffs in like however many years he's in the KHL? So unless he's just like a center who doesn't take faceoffs, which I've never heard of. What about Elise Patterson? Okay, we're not starting this. Hey, you're you're probably right. I'll, I'll, I'll trust your judgment on this. Okay, okay so odds I and ends. Yes, but Sleep by Coles in his center. Odds and ends. We are going okay, to do. Uh, odds and ends. We are going to do the McDavid. Uh, I want to play the clip because if we play it tomorrow, people are going to a million people already saw it already with your World Baseball thing. Um, odds and ends. Okay, fine. Quickly, I'm going to get my stuff in here before we set you up for your your baseball thing. 
Uh, Abbotsford Canucks in action tonight in Bakersfield. I'm curious to see if Spencer Martin or Archer Seelovs gets a start tonight, and I think tonight's starter will be an indication of who we're going to see start in the AHL playoffs. I'm going to put that out there right now, so we'll have something to talk about tomorrow uh, because this is like a, a one-and-done middle-of-the-week game before the weekend comes and they have back-to-backs. So this game, to me, is a big judge of who they're looking at to kind of rock into the HL playoffs with. It could be Spencer Martin, man. It's not set in stone that it's Archer Seelovs yet, but he's been excellent for them, but so is Martin of late. So I think tonight's going to be very telling for who we see as the goaltender of the AHL playoffs for the Abbotsford Canucks. So I'll say that. Quads, you want to see hockey get the uh, the hockey baseball classic. You want it coming back. That's what you want to see. Let's get the clip up here of Connor McDavid, Alex. Who Alex, is, Alex has done some Oilers shows today. He's probably played this clip 40 times today. I bet those guys over at Oilers Nation, that old channel that we used to be on, those guys are probably running this on a loop right now on their live feed. But anyways, all right, let's see what, the, what Connor McDavid had to say, Alex. I thought it was really cool. It's what we've been asking for in hockey for a long time, right? Um, you know, it was best on best. And, um, you know, look, everyone's talking about baseball. And, you know, did you see, you know, Otani versus Trout? And, you know, that's what hockey's been missing for, you know, almost a decade now. So, um, yeah, that's what we've been that's what we've been asking for. So let me set you up here, Quads. Is this – can you – can you feed that appetite with these, like, what was it, the, the even the hockey channel? What did they even call it a few years ago? They had, like, the U21 team. I can't even remember now. Like uh, Team North America, the World Cup of Hockey. Was that what it was called, the World Cup of Hockey? Is that enough? Is that enough? Because I feel like that didn't, like, clench the, or what am I trying to say here? Something the palate. Uh, quench the thirst. Clench? Shut up. Uh, quench the, the yeah. thirst of, uh, of fans who want to see best on best. I don't think it did a good enough job of that. But I'm curious if it does today. And, like... McDavid said it's been almost 10 years since they've had a real true best-on-best tournament. Okay, this is how we're going to determine if it if it clenched everybody's thirst, hey, as you said. It. Who won that tournament, Chris? Yeah, I Go have ahead. no idea. Europe or something? North America? Canada? I don't know. I have no idea. I have, I have no, no idea, idea either. Who won the 2010 Olympics? Who won the 2010 Olympics? Well, Canada did. Okay. There's your answer. No, it's not enough. It's not enough to have the World Cup of Hockey. You need to have more. The World Cup of Hockey is a start. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, Chris, and this is what I'm working on. I'm going to try not to race through this. I'll I'll have more on it tomorrow. I'm working on it right now for Canucks Army talking about it. Now, what I keep coming back to is Major League Baseball is very involved in the World Baseball Classic, right? Like, they're very involved. It's an MLB tournament. Like, it's put on by Major League Baseball. Of course, players, no matter what your league is, are allowed to come participate. Like Team Japan only had three MLB players on the roster la- last night with Lars Nupar, Shohei Otani, and Yu Darvish. Those are the only three MLB players on the Japan roster. Japan won the tournament. It's an MLB tournament. They faced off against the Team USA, who granted doesn't have a ton of uh, star-studded MLB pitching. A lot of the pitchers chose to sit out the tournament, which whatever. But they do have a very good lineup. Very, very, very solid lineup. And they got shut down by the Japanese pitchers. Now you look at the tournament and that's what hockey seems to be missing is just that best on best. And yes, the tournament in the end came down to Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout, which is one of the greatest moments I think in the history of the sport. Damn. I, I would say, especially from a Canadian perspective that Sidney Crosby scoring the golden goal against team USA is probably the only thing that rivals you know, in the in recent years, at least, it's the only thing that rivals. Like, there's no, 
my point is just there's no Stanley Cup winning moment. There's there's none of that. Nothing nothing comes even close. Well, say it say it as in like your lifetime. You were born in 2000. That's the biggest moment sure. for Canadian yeah, yeah, hockey so, since 2000, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. For for the sport of hockey, and if you're you know, for the, yeah, just for the sport of hockey, I think that's the biggest thing. I think there was the most eyes on it. Look, international growing the game internationally is something that actually does matter to the NHL. So it's we're not coming here and saying why don't they get it? Like why don't they understand that there's fans in other parts of the world? Like they get it. They just need to make money off it, which you can't really blame them to some extent. That's why they do these games in Europe. That's why the Canucks in 2017 played a game in Shanghai. Do you remember what that game was like, Chris? Every time there was anything even resembling a hit, the fans went wild seeing the physical contact of the sport of hockey. It was really cool. It was a really cool thing to witness when the Canucks played that game in Shanghai, even though they were uh, absolutely awful. I believe they lost that game 5-2 to two to the LA Kings, if memory serves correctly. Um, it was it was still showing that the NHL cared. Like, the NHL cares, right? And, and that's what I want to come back to, is just the fact that the NHL cares, they get it, like, they understand that growing the game internationally is important, but they need to make money off it, right? And they can't do that with the Olympics. And hey, we're applauding Major League Baseball for the World Baseball Classic. They've got it figured out. I think the NHL has some work to do with the World Cup of Hockey because that's what they're going to propose, right? Is, well, that's our way to make money off it because the World Cup of Hockey obviously is an NHL-run tournament, but it didn't satisfy the same hunger that I think hockey fans around the world have for a best-on-best tournament. It's a start. It's absolutely a start. But it's not the same. It's not the same as what the no. World Baseball Classic was uh, for the sport of baseball. No, what I, I think it, it's a dog and pony show. It, it wasn't. It's not. It wasn't like. It, it's hard. It feels like more of an all star game, right? Is that what I kind of felt from the tournament, right? Like that's how, that's how I felt from the the World Cup of Hockey tournament. Like it, it wasn't. There wasn't the the battles that you want to see. It wasn't Sweden finally getting all of its, you know, skilled players together or Russia being able to play. Like it was. It just wasn't a tournament that I that I obviously loved. It's it's one that I think they need to emerit us of. I think that's a tournament that we don't need to see any more of in the future. But uh, something different to make it really competitive about playing for your country, right? Like the European teams love. Like I I sit with uh, with Tommy Koivinen uh, in the press box, and the way that Finland looks at the World Championships of hockey, it's a huge deal. Like it is a huge deal for a lot of these European teams to do that. Uh, for their best players to come from Liga and go off and play in the World Championships and, you know, put an all-star team together from that league. And, and same with, you know, Russia putting together a strong team for the World Championships and, and doing whatever they can do at the KHL. The, Sweden has the SHL. They send all their best players in the SHL to World Championships. It's a big deal. And for everybody who's like an SHL hockey fan, they're all rooting for Sweden because now they get pretty much an all-star team of that league coming to play together. Same thing for Finland. Same thing for Russia. Like, that's what's exciting for the countries that actually care about it. I don't think Canada fully bought in for the World Cup of Baseball. World Cup of Hockey is what you mean. Whatever. Right? I mixed up the bit. I say execrate the whole thing. Like, the whole thing, it can be uh, done with it. Bring in something new. Bring in something fun and make it good. I, at least the, the thing I'll give props yep. to the World uh, World Baseball Hockey Championship Cup, whatever it was a few years ago, at least they tried something with like the Team Europe and... Um, the, the young kids, the young North guns America. team. Yeah, North American young kids. Like, that was that's an idea. I don't think they executed it perfectly, but 
Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I think it's fine. Do go for something. Okay, we'll continue this. We're running over time here. Okay. That way. Let's Final go. thing. No, quickly. Jonathan LeCaramacchi today makes his return to the lineup a little early, two weeks early than what was projected. Plays today, plays on the top line, scores a goal. Jonathan LeCaramacchi scores a goal, and how do you score it? Right in front of the net, going to the net hard. Good to see the kid get back in the lineup. He's worked really hard. Last time I talked to him, he's working really hard in the gym to get back for the playoffs. He's done it. He's back in the playoffs with them. So good stuff there uh, from Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Betway. Let's go. Betway, here we go. Start the party, baby. Start the arty party. What do we got? We got the Oilers. We got the Coyotes. Leon Dreisaitl and Barrett Hayton to score a point. So you need... We're calling it an arty party when you're in there. You need a point from both these players in tonight's game. Leon Dreisaitl and Barrett Hayton. I like that. $10 bet is going to return you $21 there if you hit and get a point from both Dreisaitl and Hayton in tonight's game. Not a lot of games on the docket tonight, by the way. Tomorrow's a more busy day. Uh, with the Canucks also in action. And our second bet, the big one. I'm taking the upset here. Coyotes to win, and Leon Dreisaitl will put up a point. So we're rocking with Dreisaitl for some points tonight. Uh, and I'm going to go with the upset and say that the Coyotes end up winning this. $10 bet's going to return you $50 on that plus 400 with the Coyotes to win and Leon Dreisaitl to score a point. Those are our Betway bets of the day. And I haven't done this in a while because I've snuck some of these words in. But today, in the last 10 minutes here, I just hit three words of the day. First word, Boom. dog dog and pony show. Wow. Which is not a word. That's freaking four words. Second word, emeritus. Third word, execrate. Got all of them in today. Boom. And I already know next, tomorrow's word. I use it uh, once a week. So good for you. There we go. And I used those the other days too, but I okay. forgot to bring them up on the show here. And uh, I see. So who was in the chat earlier? Telling me that I know adolescent. That's not a word of the day for me. That's just I just a word that I used. Okay, I, I, I every time I use a word okay. more than seven letters, everybody's getting call me an idiot. The thing that I don't know these words. I get. It. I see where people are up to. Okay, nineteen plus to play over at Betway. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we're running very overtime. I got to go feed my dude for my co-host Chris Faber and our technical producer Alex Lard. My name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. We'll wrap it up. Beautiful weather, beautiful weather. There it is. There it is, Alex. There it is. Light it up, Alex. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?